Welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church. That's right, we are a recovery church. Our mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TGB Web Media. They are a top-ranked New Jersey SEO company. They are number one in Google for New Jersey internet marketing. Why mess around with competitors? They're the best. They will beat the competitors. TGB Web Media is a Christ-centered ministry, and they seek to help you, whatever it is, your business, your ministry, to make the best presentation online that you can make. So contact them, just look it up, and their information will be in the show notes. Today's message is John Glenn's message on chastening and suffering and how God teaches us and trains us in those dark, difficult times of our life. So without further delay, enjoy the message. Just push the button, Bill. Getting back to the subject that I'm a little bit leery of, and that is the subject of God's chastening. Now, when I say chastening, does that stir up warm fuzzies in you? Or does that stir up a little anxiety? God is going to chasten you. That's kind of scary, isn't it? It almost sounds like God's going to spank you, right? And so we naturally, because we associate chastening with punishment and us being screwed up and having to be spanked, we kind of want to avoid God's chastening. As a matter of fact, we do just about anything we can to avoid being chastened by God. But that's due to our lack of understanding about what God's chastening is really all about. I began to explain that to you last week in our study, and I want to continue that same line of thought with you today, because actually chastening, the chastening of God, a better way to describe that is his loving discipline, his loving training for you. Now, the verses that I take this from, I'm just going to read to you, again, out of Hebrews chapter 12, just to get us all on the same page, so to speak. It starts with verse 3. He says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Now, that's Jesus. Consider him, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, I know it's a little scary when we read those verses, okay? Because we say, well, I don't want to be spanked by God. 
I don't want to be scourged. I don't want to be chastened by God. And we go off in our minds trying to think of everything we can possibly do to avoid that. That's a big mistake for two reasons. Number one, you can't avoid it because God loves you. You can't get away from it. And he tells us right here, he is going to chasten every one of his children because he loves us. That's the whole purpose behind the chastening here. But because we've not only equated in our minds chastening with punishment, but how many of you thought of child discipline as being spanking? Have you thought about that? See, actually, when you discipline a child, you usually do everything but spank them. It's child training. And that's really what he's talking about. How is God, as our Heavenly Father, going to train us as His children? That's what the chastening is all about. Now, let me give it to you in a broader context here. And that is because chastening has to do with suffering. As he says later, it's not a pleasant experience at the moment, but grievous. Because chastening has to do with suffering, we again want to avoid it because we want to avoid suffering. But here's the problem we have with that. You can't. The stark reality is that you're living in a fallen world. In a sin-cursed world that is falling apart. As Paul tells us in Romans 8. In a creation that's groaning and travailing together in pain until now. There's nowhere you can go to avoid suffering. It happens. To put it biblically, dung happens. And there's no way that you're going to avoid it. You can't get out of it. As a matter of fact, your efforts to avoid suffering usually creates more suffering. You can't avoid it. Now that's as true for God's children as it is for anybody else in this world. Bad stuff's going to happen and you're going to have to face it. There's no hiding from it. There's no avoiding it. There's no getting away from it. It's going to happen. Now, I'm not suggesting that you look forward to it. I'm not suggesting that you try to make it happen and turn it some kind of sadist or masochist. No, that's not it at all. What it is, is it's a reality that we have to face. A reality that we're living in a sin-cursed world that's falling apart, in sin-cursed bodies that are falling apart, and we live with people who are in the same world, in the same kind of body, and you're going to suffer. And what does that have to do with chastening? Everything. Because it's in those times of suffering 
that God allows. It's in those times of suffering that God Himself trains you. He does it personally. He does it effectively. He does it lovingly. It's in those times. You see, that's what chastening is all about. Chastening is God's training. How He trains us. Now, what are we training for? Remember the context here. Remember the context of Romans, or Hebrews 12 here. He tells us that we, like all believers, are running a marathon race. It begins the moment you trust Jesus and continues throughout the rest of your life till you cross the finish line in heaven. You're running a marathon race. It's a race of learning to live a new lifestyle of grace and truth as opposed to the natural lifestyle we've all been raised up in of law and lies. We're running this race, this marathon race, and so God trains us for it. He trains us for it through chastening, through His loving discipline, His loving training. In the midst of the suffering we're going to suffer anyhow. You see, if all God was concerned about was getting rid of your suffering, if that's all He was really concerned about, He would get you out of this world. He'd take you home. I mean, after all, you've got prepared for you by Jesus Himself a mansion, a glorified place in heaven where it's not falling apart. In heaven, where there's no troubles, no hassles. And if he was really concerned just with making you feel better, he'd get you out of these bodies that are falling apart and give you that glorified body, the body that is just like the body Jesus rose from the dead with. He'd go ahead and give you that now. You wouldn't have to wait. But he didn't. This is the problem. He hasn't taken you home. He hasn't given you that brand new glorified body. He's left you here in a sin-cursed world and those sin-cursed bodies for a reason. And that reason is to run that marathon race. The same kind of race that Jesus ran. That's why he says, consider him who suffered. Now last week we closed with this, this concept, and I want to remind you of it, that God, the Father, actually chastened his son, his only begotten son, Jesus. Did you know that? Yeah. Jesus went through chastening. That's what our author of Hebrews tells us back in the first and second chapters. 
He says, He made the captain of our salvation, that's Jesus, mature and perfect and complete through the things that He suffered. That's chastening. God chastened His only begotten Son. But it wasn't just the suffering that Jesus went through. How else did God chasten him? He taught him exactly what to say at any given time. And he taught him exactly what to do in any given place. Well, how did he do that? Through his spirit. Remember that story in John uh, when he was when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River? The Spirit descended on him in bodily form as a dove. And from that moment on, he was led and empowered by his Spirit. He was trained by his Spirit to run his race. Now there's a tendency here, naturally, to compare ourselves with Jesus in the sense of chastening and say, well, you know, I certainly haven't suffered like he did. In fact, no human being ever suffered as much as Jesus did in God's chastening. And so it's not given to us here to compare ourselves, but it's given to us here so that we can learn something about how he endured his suffering. He hinted at it back in the second verse when he says, but we see Jesus, in the second chapter, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor that he may suffer death for all men. That was the purpose of Jesus' life. The purpose of his life was to suffer as a sacrifice for us. That was his marathon race. Now as we follow him, we are going to have to face suffering as well. As Paul told the Philippian church, which was enduring a great deal of persecution at the time that he wrote the letter, he said, it is given unto you not only to believe on his name, who he is and what he is, as your Savior, but also to suffer for His sake. And so we can make the conclusion that virtually all the suffering we do in this world, because God has left us in this world, and He sent cursed bodies, all the suffering that we experience in this world is for the sake of Christ. You know that? Yeah, you're suffering for the sake of Christ. If you weren't left here, you wouldn't suffer. But God left you here. Why? So that you could represent, be an ambassador for Christ. See, the world can't see Christ visibly like it did when He was here. The only Christ the world can see visibly is the Christ in you. And God has left you here to display the character of His Son, Jesus. To put on public display the character 
and we'll talk about later as the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, that being the case, God doesn't leave you helpless. He doesn't leave you comfortless. He doesn't leave you floundering around hopeless in this world of suffering. Now, Jesus promised his disciples on the night before he was crucified, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm going to send another comforter to you, even the spirit of truth whom the world can't see, but you know him. He's been with you and he shall be in you. You see, in times of suffering, the spirit of truth plays the primary role in our lives. Did you know that? Again, in Romans chapter 8, Paul makes it very clear to us that as soon as you enter into any kind of suffering, it doesn't matter what it is, big or little, whether you deem it to be your fault or somebody else's fault, doesn't matter. When you enter into any kind of suffering, the Spirit of God living inside that new person God has made you to be immediately goes to work with groanings which cannot be uttered, making intercession for you according to the will of God. That happens immediately when you face suffering. Now, most of us don't recognize that. Okay. To be honest with you, I have a heck of a time recognizing that, depending on the suffering. Most of us don't recognize that. You know why? Because when we begin to suffer, we spend so much time whining and freaking out and trying to figure out how we're going to save our butts, we haven't got time to look at what Jesus is doing. So in this business of chastening, the very first thing we've got to come to is Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing with me? What's going on? What is your spirit praying for in me? And even in that context, he tells us, look, you don't know what to pray for as you ought. And I think, oh yeah, I do. I know what to pray for. God, get me out of this mess. <laughs> he said, you don't know what you need to pray for. But the spirit is making intercession for you. In that time of suffering. See, in order to understand and appreciate the chastening of God, we're going to have to see suffering from His point of view, from His perspective. And what He's telling us here in these verses in this passage is God is doing what's best for you. That's what He's doing. He hasn't forsaken you, He hasn't left you. He is doing what's best for you. Does that mean God is causing your suffering? No. The sin-cursed world you're living in and the sin-cursed bodies you're living in is causing your suffering. What it means is God is doing something about it right now inside of you. And He comforts you. I'm amazed at the stories that we get in the Bible of people who are suffering and the comfort they got. Take the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for instance, were cast into this fiery furnace by the king because they 
refused to bow down and worship his image. They were cast into this fiery furnace. The men who cast them into the furnace were killed. And there they are, walking around in the middle of the flames. The king looked at him and said, Hey, I thought we threw three people in there. But I see four walking around in there. And the fourth one is like the Son of God. See, Jesus is in that fiery furnace with you every time you suffer. Open your eyes and look for Him. He's there. What about Daniel? And the lion's den. You all know the story. Thrown in. They were expecting Him to be torn to pieces in a matter of minutes. Yet all night long, He was hanging out with those cats. Like little pussy cats. Why? Because God closed their mouths. Take Paul and Silas in the New Testament, beaten to a bloody pulp and thrown into the Philippian jail. And at midnight, because of the comfort they received from the Spirit, they sang praises to God. See, there's no amount of suffering you're going to do or you're going to experience that God cannot more than compensate for with his comfort. That's why Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, there's no temptation or trial taking you but what is common to man. But God is faithful who will, with the trial, provide a way of escape through his comfort and his grace. He's going to do for you what you can't do for yourself in the middle of your suffering giving you what you need to grow and develop. Now, because he looks at suffering as training, and this whole context here of chastening is put in an athletic context of running this race, right? The suffering we do is like the training you had to do to become an athlete. I remember back in my younger days, high school days, the chastening we had to play football. I enjoyed playing the game. I really liked to play football. I was a running back, and I, man, I loved it. But I absolutely detested practice. I hated to go to practice. And of all that, I particularly hated wind sprints. Where we had to run 100 yards at a dash. Repeatedly. Thought I'd never make it. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it at all. But what did it do? It trained me to finish the course. I could go on and on with athletic kind of examples of the training that's necessary to make you successful and victorious in your race. But that's how we need to view suffering. 
That's how we need to view chasing, chasing by God. I've often referred to our suffering as ministry training. That's what God has done. He has left you here to fulfill your calling of God, your high calling of God to be Christ and loving others around you on a daily basis. That's why you're here. You're not here to be all fat, dumb, and happy and go on vacation and win the lotto. That's not why you're here. You're here to be Christ to others. That's your ministry. And only you can fulfill that ministry. Nobody else can fulfill that ministry God has ordained for you. You're the only one that can do it. And so he trained you for that ministry. He trained you through the things that you suffer. Now as he says later in these verses I've read to you, no chastening seems joyous at the time. We don't like it. We don't like the suffering we have to go through. But grievous, it hurts. But afterward, afterward, as we get through this suffering with the comfort of the Spirit holding us up, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And what does he mean by that? It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in goodness and truth. The fruit of the Spirit listed out in Galatians 5. Faith, hope, and love. The fruit of the Spirit upon the character of Christ basis is what it produces in you. Well, how does that happen? Well, think about it this way. All of us have been programmed to believe a lie. And the main lie we believe is about ourselves. The main lie we believe is not to believe what God says he's done for us to make us a brand new person. We've all been conditioned to believe that lie. Many people go their whole life believing that lie. We've all been conditioned to believe it. The lie about our identity. And as a result, we form habits, develop coping strategies in accordance with those lies that produce a lifestyle of law, rules and regulations, and lies, deception. What God does in chastening, what God does is take the natural suffering we're going to have to go through in this world, and he trains us first by breaking down those lies, habits, coping strategies. See, nothing will convince you that your coping strategy doesn't work more than failure in times of suffering. God allows that so that our natural coping strategies break down so that through His Spirit, the mind of Christ He gives us, 
restructures our life so that we begin to live like Christ. We begin to show the character of Christ. You see, that pressure of the trials is necessary to get rid of the old and bring out the new, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So yeah, I can, um, I can think of a lot of times when I've had to go through suffering in my life. And in those times, I've often asked God, why? What are you doing? If you really loved me, you wouldn't let this crap happen to me. But the reality is, because he really loves me, he allowed it to happen to me to form Christ in me. To make me who I am today. You see, that's God's methodology while we're living on this earth, in this world. His methodology of training us, equipping us for the work that He's called us to do in loving one another. He has to break down all the old conditioning we've had so our minds can be renewed by the Spirit so we can actually truly love other people like Christ. It's a glorious thing to be chastened by God, not something to be avoided. Let's pray. Father God, as we come into your presence, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for the suffering that you give us, the suffering that you allow to come into our lives. Even though we don't often understand it, even though we can't fully appreciate it, even though we question you in it, we ask you to work the miracle of transformation in our lives through the things we suffer. Chasten us just like you chasten your son Jesus, that we may accomplish his purpose and your will in this world. For these things I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 